0: Delighted to talk a little bit of Packers ahead of the 49ers Packers game this weekend at 1 15 AM on Sunday morning. That time doesn't really matter. This is gonna be a great game. Delighted to be joined again on the show. Uh Matt Schneidman from the Athletic. Matt, welcome back in. Uh, business end of the season. How are you guys? It's good to good to be talking to you again. I think
1: the last time was when the Packers played the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, in week eight. That's
0: right. Um it's that time of the year, it's crunch time. Let's get going. Yes, sir, and it's it's been it's been a crazy few weeks. I actually have told these guys off camera. I was at the uh, Ravens game in Baltimore, and I just didn't get a chance to say hello. It was very, it was very quiet. Man. Oh, okay. I just didn't want to annoy you, and it was very oh, no, busy. No, but uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy few weeks for the Packers. That was a great game as well, and uh, they're going into I guess you know prime position now in the playoffs. You know, it's probably good you didn't say hello at that game because, uh, (laughs) unbeknownst to me,
1: I was infected with COVID while I was sitting in the press box at that game, and I tested. Well, I probably wouldn't have got home,
0: home, so that was a good thing. That was probably so. It's good that
1: you didn't see me that game because you would have gotten COVID probably. Um, Yeah, I, I think this is a huge game. It's a divisional round game, but it has the feel of an NFC title game. Maybe that's just because these two teams played in the NFC title game two years ago. The matchup I'm watching is the 49ers running game against the Packers run defense. Packers probably have the worst run defense in the league this season. 49ers running game hasn't been exceptional, but it's still a run defense that can, that can end the Packers season before they want it to, you know, they don't have Raheem Mostert who went off on these guys uh, two years ago, but they have Elijah Mitchell and the way they've been using Debo Samuel out of the backfield is really special. So, That's going to be the matchup I'm watching first and foremost, but obviously a a bunch of different good storylines in this game.
2: Yeah, plenty of good storylines. Devo with the ball in hand is is a thing of beauty, but then Aaron Rodgers with the ball in his hand is also a thing of beauty. And Matt, you had a piece that came out yesterday. Um, why these playoffs are a defining moment for Aaron Rodgers' legacy, and I think as a, a Denver Broncos fan, you know there was always that question around Elway, and then he he rides off into the sunset, not with one ring, but with two rings, and I think two changes everything, right? Because it, it it's not it's not a fluke that you won one, but can you talk to us? I suppose. Given everything that has gone on with Aaron Rodgers, we know that he he breaks another record, he breaks Fire's record this year, but then there's all of this the, the drama that surrounds Aaron Rodgers. Talk to us, I suppose, a little bit about going into this game and, and what the feeling is in and around Green Bay.
1: This is really, I think, you know, I've this is only my third year covering the team. So uh, I'll hear the arguments for people saying, uh, They had higher expectations to win the Super Bowl in 2011 when they went 15-1 and in the regular season and lost to the Giants in the divisional round. This might be Aaron Rodgers' best chance to win a Super Bowl, not only because of how he's playing, but because of the team he has around him and the guys they're getting back that have been injured. Um, This is huge for him. I asked him yesterday. uh, I basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, listen, I know how the team does isn't entirely indicative of your individual success, but how big are these playoffs – for your legacy, given what's happened the last two years and the last decade, really, and he said, "Listen, individual success is is not just how the team does, and, and it's not just about your failures, and it's not just about your wins. It's about so much more than that, which is true. But at the end of the day, he knows, and everyone knows that quarterbacks are judged based on how much their team wins when they are on the field, and, and the Packers have not won enough when Aaron Rodgers is on the field now." That might be fair or unfair uh, to do, to judge him based on how many Super Bowls the Packers have won while he's been their starter. He's arguably the most talented thrower of a football we've ever seen, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. But being a quarterback like that, there comes along with it the expectation that you will will your team to victory no matter what. And I think the way he's playing this year, he's capable of doing that no matter how the special teams and defense play. So he's going to have to do it here starting on Saturday.
3: Matt, you touched on the last time you were on the show and that particular episode we discussed how well and how much improved the Packers' defence has has been this season and as the season has progressed, they've currently slightly gone back to what we saw in a certain extent towards the back end of last season and in particular that Browns game on Christmas Day, a lot of Packers fans I spoke to felt that the defence got away with that game essentially because Mayfield had the interceptions and it kind of glossed over a poor performance by the defence. It's hard to know really what the Lions game was because there were so many players in backup, but obviously you touched on the Debo Samuel and the run, the run situation. Are you concerned going into a scale that the defense is maybe not at the ex- expectations they were earlier in the season?
1: If I'm a Packer fan, I'm terrified about the defense because they've been really bad the second half of the season. You know, it was from weeks four to 10 that they didn't allow more than 22 points in a game in any of those games while winning all of them. They were playing really well. And then they started struggling. They let up 34 to the Vikings. They let up 30 to the Bears. You know, they got Baker Mayfield and Sean Mannion, yeah, but they just let up, granted, with some backups in, but mostly starters, maybe not playing 100%, but 37 to the Lions. Their run defense has been really bad the second half of the season. Like you said, that that game against the Browns on Christmas with Nick Chubb, they let Tyler Huntley run all over them. 30, again, you know, allowed 30 to the Ravens with a backup quarterback in. Big reason for concern, this defense going in. Can they get it right? Possibly. It's good that they're most likely getting Jair Alexander and Zedaria Smith back. And yes, those are two all-pro caliber players and some of the best in the world at their respective positions. But how much can they really give you if one of them hasn't played since week one and Smith and Alexander hasn't played since week four? Um, I'd be worried if I was a Packer fan about the defense. But the defense has surprised me before with good performances this season. And I wouldn't be stunned if it happened again, especially, and here's a good stat for you from ESPN. Jimmy Garoppolo, well, I'll start it by this. I I transitioned into that poorly. There are 122 quarterbacks since 2014 who have thrown a pass in a game where the kickoff temperatures were below 40 degrees. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. He's thrown, taken three snaps in those games where the kickoff temps were below 40. All three were kneel downs with the Patriots. So He's got a bum thumb on his throwing hand, a bum shoulder on his throwing side. Packers are going to need to not let the 49ers run all over them and get out to an early lead to force the 49ers to throw a little bit more and make Jimmy uncomfortable in those scenarios.
4: But Matt, on that, um, I'd say there were a few Cowboys fans in Green Bay last week because maybe of all teams, the team you didn't want to face were the 49ers in recent playoff history, even though it's four and four in postseason history overall, three losses in a Mm -hmm. row uh, to the 49ers when they've come up in postseason, obviously, Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick again, and then most infamously, probably in recent times, the NFC Championship game. And you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he threw for 77 yards in that game but they ran for 285 yards. Um, to what level is the fear factor there that the 49ers in some respects are at the exact wrong matchup for the Packers this weekend?
1: For sure. I, I thought the 49ers would be the least desirable matchup out of any of the four teams the Packers could have played, the Eagles, Rams, Cardinals being the other three. Now, I think the Packers are in a good spot here because. Um, they have some guys coming back, defending against the run. The 49ers don't have, you know, Mostert. Yes. Debo Samuel's really good, but they held him to no, no yards on two carries, uh, in their week three matchup. Trace sermon was the lead back for the 49ers back then. It's Mitchell now since Mostert has been out since week one, I still think the 49ers could run all over the Packers. But like I said, I think the key here is getting out to that early lead because, the 49ers got out to you know a 27 nothing halftime lead they they scored and scored and scored and they could just run the ball and run clock and they sprung a b- few big ones and ran all over the packers if the packers get out to an early lead and and force the 49ers into th- some throwing situations that's the key you know we talked to Preston Smith and Joe Barry and uh Kenny Clark today it's no secret the run defense is the emphasis this week and they know what the 49ers are going to do preston smith told us we know they're going to come in and try and run the ball. Mitchell's going to do his thing. Debo's going to do his thing. We just got to prevent them from setting the tone and getting into a rhythm. Easier said than done, but it's a focus. I don't know how much that means. We'll see on Saturday night, but it could definitely be something that, that ends the Packers season early. Now, I do think this year's Packers team is more capable than that 2019 team. Of, of winning in a shootout that 2019 offense wasn't great they were winning a lot of games ugly in the regular season this offense is capable of winning in a shootout especially with Bakhtiari Billy Turner Randall Cobb coming back um, so even if the 49ers do dominate on the ground I don't think that's the be-all end-all of the game
0: yes yeah, so so many offensive threats there for the Packers and a massive improvement on just on the last couple of years uh, Matt's obviously a bye week there last week for the Packers and then the Lions of week Eight it's its going to be, you know, obviously more time than the, than the 49ers have had in terms of rest. I sound like half of NFL Twitter here now, but what's your thoughts on getting this bye week, taking this break? You know, would you, or do you think the players would prefer just to go out and play or, or do you think they welcome that break that, that time off?
1: No, I think they welcome that break, not only to heal their own injuries, but like I've said, the guys they're they're getting back. It gives David mm. Bakhtiari an extra week to, to heal up after playing those 27 snaps in Detroit. It gives Josh Myers an extra week. He's not even on the injury report, so he's going to start at center most likely. It gives Billy Turner an extra week. He's a full participant in practice. Randall Cobb, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, all these guys I would expect to play, and, and who knows if all of them would have if they didn't have this bye week. So the rest and recovery is, is a good thing, I think. Obviously, um, that's why they played their, their guys, at least their offensive stars, the first half against Detroit to avoid that rust to kind of keep that rhythm going and get Devontae Adams, that single season franchise receiving record and defensive starters like Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes were, and the safeties were all, we all playing late in the game. So it's to me kind of just like a regular first round bye. Um, it didn't hurt them last year didn't hurt them the year before. They won their divisional round games both times, um, came out fast in both games. So I, I don't see how it could be a, a hindrance this time around.
2: Matt, I suppose I see parallels to last year in terms of the, the Packers beat the the Rams in the regular season last year and then coming into the divisional round. The, the Rams lose. Well, he played, but Aaron Donald wasn't Aaron Donald. And then this year, the 49ers, um, well, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, you've, you've mentioned uh, Jimmy G's injury, but the, to lose those two on, on defense, and we don't know whether they will be, you know, good to go. I imagine, you know, you'll see Fred Warner on the, the field. Nick Bosa is probably a bit more questionable at this point, but. How um how significant uh, is, uh, I suppose, losing those two guys when you're going up against uh, a Packers offense that uh, can be so, uh, so explosive? And uh, how pleased will Aaron Rodgers be if Nick Bosa isn't good to go?
1: Well, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would say, I hope his head is all right, because obviously concussion's no joke, but I-, I think Aaron Rodgers would be just fine if Nick Bosa didn't play. He's one of the game's best edge rushers. It sounds like Fred Warner is going to play um, at least from what he's been saying this week on Twitter. Uh, Nick Bosa obviously is in question. That's going to be one to watch because he can wreck a game. The Packers did well in Yash Nyman's first start this season back in week three uh, after that first drive or second drive, I believe it was when Nick Bosa got the better of him a couple times. And then they really helped him out with some chip blocks with, with Robert Tunyon um, but yeah, that's huge, especially it would make things easier on two guys in Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, who might be a little rusty with how little they've played of late. So it would, I think not having Bosa is way bigger than not having Warner, who's one of the premier inside linebackers in the game. But if Aaron Rodgers has time to throw because of a lesser pass rush, he can pick apart any defense, regardless of who's playing linebacker.
3: Matt, you, you touched on how, I suppose, attack-minded the offense has been this year, and you, you compared it to two years ago, where you said there were a sloppy offense in, in, to a large extent during the, the regular season. One player this season that's really come to the fore and fans' favorite now is AJ Dillon, and so he's got his opportunities as the season progresses, and obviously the Aaron Jones injury. Like he could be monumental to this offense in certain terms of running the ball, and you know, I suppose it's a double team with Jones as opposed to Jones consistently getting the ball.
1: Yeah, they've done a really good job kind of interchanging the two of them. And, and A.J. Dillon's really come into his own this year, not only as a runner, but as a pass catcher. And um, Aaron Jones has been a little banged up, but if he needs a breather or whatever, they're not going to have any drop-off with with A.J. Dillon. Matt LaFleur a while back said he doesn't view it as starter and backup. He views it as 1A and 1B, really. I would assume he's saying Jones 1A and Dillon 1B. But uh, True Media, a, a good stats and analytics site I like to use, has a stat called offensive rush success percentage. So basically... Um, It takes into account every single rush a running back has had on the season and measures its success level of success based on the expected points added per play. So essentially in layman's terms, what that means is if A.J. Dillon gets two yards on third and one at midfield or two yards on fourth and one, that is a successful play. That's not going to reflect well in yards per carry because it's only two yards, but it gets the job done, keeps the chains moving, gets gets the first down. Of running backs with at least 100 carries in the NFL this year, the highest offensive rush success percentage is A.J. Dillon at 48.7%. So he's been really good at turning those two-yard losses into four-yard gains and moving the chains. He's not going to spring off a 20- or 25-yard run every now and then, like Aaron Jones is, but pushing the pile sometimes and taking a defense's will like that is just as important, especially on the goal line, which we've seen him do a bunch this year. So I think he's going to be huge. We're we're talking about the 49ers run game, but if the Packers can establish their running game, watch out. This one could go uh, a blowout in the opposite way.
4: Matt, we've had a spate of reunions, TV specials last while. We had friends. We had sex in the city. We even had a save by the bell reunion. And if I look back at a photo of the 2013 Washington offensive coaching staff, it looks like the cast – of saved by the bell and then I look again and say well actually it's not it's got Kyle Shanahan there it's got Matt Lafleur, and maybe in the next round it's also got Sean McVeigh as well who's tight ends coach at the same time how is that coaching matchup a reunion again we've talked about the 2019 championship game about the 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 the, the, uh, the face-off there how is that going to play out with two people who know each other so well and share a similar offensive philosophy
1: yeah. At this point, they've played each other so much as head coaches. What is this? The fifth time since they've since they've both been head coaches twice in 19, once last year. And then this will be the second time this year. At this point, I don't think you can read too much into, oh, I know what the other guy does because then the other guy's thinking, oh, well, if he knows what I do, maybe I change it up. So it's kind of like a chess match wondering who's going to make that that next move. What's interesting about this is I don't know how good of friends Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan are anymore. They they both say they are. They both said the right things this week and that, well, we're all good. That that handshake from week three was just caught up in the moment. Kyle Shanahan was upset he lost at the buzzer. But I don't know if Matt LaFleur is too happy about Kyle Shanahan trying to poach his quarterback this offseason. He's never going to say it made him upset, publicly at least. But that's an interesting storyline here. They've done well to squash it this week. Um, but it's become a fascinating matchup. You know, Matt LaFleur was on, pardon my take, the Barstool podcast a couple days ago, and he was asked about kind of what coaches are his best friends and who he talks to. And he said, Robert Sala and Sean McVeigh, no Kyle Shanahan. So read into that what you will.
0: Interesting indeed. Gentlemen, uh, Matt, I just want to thank you for your time coming on here. I think we, we, that we could talk to you about the Packers all day. Maybe we'll talk to you again before the season's out, I think that could be very, very likely indeed. I just want to thank you for your, for your continued support. Obviously, Matt is with The Athletic uh, and people over here, I'm sure, know The Athletic, both for NFL and also for Premier League coverage. Broken exclusive news on Arsenal this week. I'm sure Mark was very happy about that. If he hasn't seen it, uh, you, can, you can check it out. And we'll put a link on our YouTube and socials to sign up. And Matt, maybe we'll get to see you in LA for uh, maybe a cup of tea or a pint or something uh, in a few weeks. We'll see.
1: Maybe the Packers can finally get back there. That would be nice to to see everyone out there. Appreciate you guys having me on, as always.